All right, I just want to give a quick disclaimer before you watch this video. This is a beta test run episode. We are still working out a lot of technical kinks and difficulties. There's issues with the audio. There's issues with some of the video. I totally get it. It's not perfect. That's why we're doing these test runs, but we're going to get better and better. There's still a lot of great information in this, in this episode, some funny stories, some good content. So please go ahead and watch it. Enjoy it. Just look past the technical stuff. It's not the most polished, clean video you ever saw. On another note, as we move forward, one thing we'd really like to do is to be able to provide feedback and coaching to you people in the audience. So we're going to have where you can actually upload a video to us. We will bring that video up on screen and watch it live with you. We'll bring you in from the audience and we'll give you live feedback and coaching on your video. Hopefully it's a way for you to get some free coaching, uh, aid in your progression, but also that it can be a benefit to everybody else watching and the rest of the skydiving community. So if you want to join us for the recording and watch us record the show live, or if you want to upload a video to us before a show so that we can consider watching it during the show and giving you some live feedback, go to the Crave website. It's cravetofly.com forward slash podcast. There's going to be a link on there that you can use if you just want to be in the audience, you just want to watch the show, you can do that. There's also going to be another link where you can upload a video to us for us to consider uh, using during the show, during the recording. Now, I can't promise that we'll take all the videos submissions that we get, but we're going to go through them, pick the ones that we think will be uh, most beneficial, uh, maybe have the broadest range of appeal or help the most people. Um, so check that out. Go, go to cravetofly.com forward slash podcast. You can use the link to join just as an audience member or upload us a video and there'll be some more information on there. So I hope, I hope you enjoy this episode. We'll try to make them better as we go forward and uh, Crave, do more, be better. All right, blue skies, peace. Hey, welcome to the Crave podcast. That's what we're calling it for now. Let's, we're going to get started. We've been shooting the bull, but this is the official start of one of our beta test run episodes. So uh, quick introductions. I'm Chris Spikes. Uh, that's it. You guys go. Uh, Wazzy Circus. That's it. You go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason Russell. Most people in skydiving know me as J. Russ. J. Russ. Yeah, yeah. All right. Waz, you were, go ahead. You were asking J. Russ. So, J. Russ, around. you were just in Slovakia for the world meets at the tunnel. Yeah. Um, you guys were 40 miles away. How far from Ukraine were you? Pretty close. Oh, man. Yeah, pretty close. I'd have to look at, I mean, I did look at a map, to be honest, because I wasn't 100% sure where Slovakia was in Europe. And we actually flew into uh, Krakow and then drove over uh, to the tunnel because it was, it was a little bit better as far as uh, logistics. Um, but I, I believe it shares a border. I'd have to look at the map again. Um, but shares a border, close. dude. Yeah, because um, yeah, Dusty Shaw was there. That's one of my teammates. And he was there okay. with Maya. Yeah. And he's yeah. saying, no American flags. Try not to speak English in public because th the Russians are right there going to war. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to disagree with them, but we certainly, uh, we, you know, on the podium, we, we had an American flag, as did uh, any other Americans that, that made it to the podium. And, well, I mean, like uh, in the town, in the town, in the city. Yeah, I, to be honest with there, I never, I was so jet lagged the whole time. I never left, uh, I never left the... Uh, Kind of, it's Tachalangia and it's a compound. It's got a zoo. It's got a water park. It's it's a tourist attraction, little resort town. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they had, as part of the registration, we had food provided. And, uh, you know, I 
I started round one. I hadn't slept in like 27 hours, and oh uh, and then uh, I just tried whenever I could to get some sleep in between, and uh, and I, I didn't I didn't ever I, I was a there's trips that happen like that all the time where I'll go somewhere and just do the work or the, the competition and I won't get a chance to, to look at the area. Um, but uh, yeah, the Russians are close by for sure. So Waz, I don't know if you know this, but Jay Russ and their team, SDC Corps, they won first. So don't you always win Congratulations first. is in order. <laughs> don't you Thanks. always Very win nice. first, dude? Hell yeah, dude. Congratulations, bro. That's awesome, man. World champions, indoor yeah, and that's outdoor. Right. Um, it, to be honest, man, like I could tell you the times we haven't won first because they're hard to swallow. Um, but uh, we didn't. We didn't. If we would have gotten anywhere first, second, third, I mean, I was more surprised to get first than I would have been to get third. Um, there's a really strong Polish team and a really strong Italian team, and all they do, I mean, the Italians jump about somewhere between fifty and hundred jumps a year, and the Polish don't jump at all, um, and so. You know, this conversation has been going on for years about the different. It used to be if you were the outdoor champs, it was just kind of you were also the indoor champs. But there, man, I was competing against a 17 year old Polish kid who all I could think watching him fly was I should be a lot better. Uh, mm. um, and so they made they made some mistakes. Uh, we we our first day was pretty rough. Uh, we went down five or six points the first round, and and none of us had slept and. You know that's a mistake on our part to not get there sooner, but it is what it is. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's always nice to win, but it was not my expectation going in. Uh, and this is formerly BFS. Yeah, we've got a new teammate. Like he filled in for us last year in Belgium when Dusty couldn't attend a competition. We did less than two hours training. We we came back the last day and ended up winning by a couple points. Uh, but I mean, to say we came back. We stayed consistent, and the Italians blew up in one round, and they let us back in. Um, and so that same guy is now on our team, but that only happened a couple months ago when Dusty said he couldn't do it anymore. And so we had another, I don't know, three or four hours with him. So a really limited amount of training time. So Who are your teammates? Yeah, uh, we just teammates? picked up uh, Chip Keating. Uh, his real name's Everett, but he goes by Chip. And he's a Cal – him and Sam Lendler, both uh, California jumpers um, from – I believe they're both based at Skydive, California now. Uh, and then my wife, Steph, and myself, and Johnny Gunn was our old camera flyer. He retired to go back to uh, school after last season. And we picked up a woman named Nicole Senecal, who uh, filled in for Johnny a few times over the last couple of years. She did a fantastic job. She's pretty new in the sport, a couple, two, 3,000 jumps, something like that. Um, but uh, charging hard, she set a record for like the most base jumps in 24 hours or 12 hours or something last year or two years ago and just wow. super excited real talented flyer so uh, we got a good team we're just a little bit a little bit green at the moment do you so have I'm any not, of your go ahead sir. well I, I was just, i'm i'm not super familiar with bfs i mean i know more now because of you know the course that we filmed and i'm super excited about that course coming out but what is the difference between indoor and i mean obviously i know the difference but like Talk to me. <laughs> What's the difference between indoor and outdoor? Like, well, how are, how are they different? Are they different? Those competitions? Well, I mean, the the dive pool is exactly the same. Uh, so everything that we're going to fly, those are all the same blocks and randoms. But <clears throat> just uh, having to jump out of the plane and start mm -hmm. turning points uh, is, in my opinion, quite a bit more challenging um, than hopping up off the net and turning points. And um, 
the the other big thing that immediately comes to mind when you ask that is just the the visual references that you have in the tunnel that alert you to your position and your level your fall rate that you don't have in the sky and and so for a lot of people that transition um, can be a little bit bumpy uh, and so we're with an, with Chip as our new teammate we're expecting a bumpy road this spring of kind of getting him back into I don't know fighting shape I don't know what to, what to call right. it but um, you know uh, there's there's some I guess more fundamental differences uh, in my mind about having to exit the plane and then the visual references. So, so for the sorry, go watch. Go ahead. Okay. So traditionally, people that go from the tunnel to the sky, it seems like they can rip a little bit harder. But VFS, it seems like going from the sky to the tunnel, you'd have an edge. Uh, I think people going who can, even people who are qualified VFS flyers in the tunnel have a difficult time transitioning that to the sky and just finding the relative right. wind as you leave the plane mm-hmm. in something as simple as a head up exit um, even though that's to be honest not that simple yeah that's um, hard right? but, uh, yeah, yeah um, but uh, it can be a real challenge to, to you know as a, for instance Dusty our old teammate his first VFS team they uh, they were just tunnel they, I think they did I want to say 20 training jumps before nationals in a year, 20 training jumps. So that's, I mean, we'll do that in a couple of days. Right. Um, and so they were absolutely awful on the Hill. Uh, they blew up, they blew up most of their exits. The first 10 seconds of their 35 seconds, they didn't score a point, And then they would put up 25 points when they got to full speed. Uh, and uh, you know, that that's part of that difficulty. That's an art form, dude. Riding that hill and having mm-hmm. enough control to to be in your slot—it's ridiculous. Yeah, and we're shooting for the same thing that you know top level belly teams shoot for. <clears> that <throat> that our first points are just a continuation of our exit count. Ready, right. set, go. go. Point, two, point, two, point, two. point. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> I hope I don't look like that. If I do, they'll call me out. <laughs> I start swinging my hips in the middle of the sky. That means you're having fun, man. <laughs> so, hey, what what kind of role does the camera, your camera fire teammate, play in the tunnel? Do they do? Do they? Have well, a she role? didn't go. Okay, uh, so there, there's not a need for that, right? I mean, they just be the way. Yeah, that's a lot of expense and travel, and they're, they're just to have team solidarity or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, did you? Where'd you fly into? Krakow. Krakow, Poland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you took a train. We rented a, a little Kia, something or other, and drove over there. Okay, so it wasn't that wild of an experience, really? <clears throat> no. Um, and to be honest, man, our schedule is so full that happens. That happens a lot. And then, sadly, uh, at the time—not sadly, I guess—but it, it makes me a little sad for those times because the times that I do take the time to go look around wherever we are, you know, one of the most memorable trips of my life is—I uh, used to coach in the in the Warsaw Tunnel all the time, and I would go there. I would get a ride from the airport to the tunnel. They have little rooms in the bottom. They've got a kitchen inside. I'd do my job. I'd stay right there and I'd go home. And then I went over there with a, a, a longtime good friend of mine, Ben Roan, and we ran the camp together and something happened to the airplane. We were supposed to go to coach at the drop zone, but then the, they didn't get their plane somehow. And we went to Auschwitz and that was one of the most memorable things I've ever done. And, you know, it, it was a pretty rough trip, but still like just 
doing something outside of the tunnel was amazing and I will I'll never forget that trip and so I mean that's kind of an extreme case but it made me makes me think that I if I could I should budget a little bit more time yeah I always I make it a priority just because you don't I don't never know when I'm gonna get back to a place you know sure, yeah. so we always go explore at least a little bit get food talk to some people see the sites yeah but I mean when you're when you're hustling it's a little different you know yeah. Um, all right. So I sent you guys, yeah. you know, kind of some some ideas for some things that we might talk about, uh, you know, this this episode. So the first one that I wanted to go over, um, what's something about the skydiving culture that you wish was different, and how would you like to see it change? Did you guys have a chance to? to I was trying to send it to you in advance just so we'd have, because for me, I just needed a little bit of time to think about it and stuff. So I have something that I came up with. If, if y'all want me to go first or if one of y'all has one, go uh, for it. I've got one, but go ahead. I mean, mine's not a, it's not a huge thing. It's just something that I thought about. You know, I haven't jumped at a ton of drop zones, but it seems like the drop zones that I've been at, and especially my home, DZ, Space Lance, and Marcus, um, the all the people in the packing room, like the packers, I, I just don't feel like I know them hardly at all. I don't, I don't ever get to jump with them. Actually, I don't, I don't see them jump very much. I'm sure they do sometimes. I'm sure they, they get to jump. But I, that's something I wish was a little bit different. And I, don't, I don't know what the solution is. It's probably on me. Like I should just go in there and, and talk to them and, and be friends with them and get to know them and ask them Pretty questions. Pretty much, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like it's just such a, such a separation between that, that everybody kind of making the tandem, the tandem gears turn. And we're just out there fun jumping and having a good time. And, and they're really making it possible for us to be there and get to be on the drop zone and get to have fun and, and for it to be a reasonable cost, you know, without all that. Um, so that's something I thought of. It's like, man, so, I, I, need, yeah, I so, need to do a better job. Well, that, no, that goes to my point. This is what I was going to bring up. The barrier of entry is so tough, mm-hmm. right? It's the cost of skydiving is not cheap, bro. There's nothing cheap about it. And they're there hustling. That's why you don't get to talk to them. Because you, you're there having a great time. They're there trying to pay rent, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They need gas money home. They probably got a trailer. Who knows what they've got going on? So there's two different worlds in the, in the, on the drop zone, okay? There's the workers, which I've always been, right? I didn't come in as a fun jumper. I came in as a worker, and I was always a worker. I was tandem AFF, video, packer, mower, bathrooms, you know what I mean? Whatever I could do to get there. And then there's guys that are there on the weekend blowing five, 600 bucks on fun jumps. And there's a different mindset, right? So it's, it's kind of like oil and water. Even though you're all in the same sport and everybody's happy to be there, their mindset's different. They're at work, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. you're there for fun. You're like a customer at a restaurant getting a filet mignon and they're washing dishes bro mm-hmm. so so that's that's where it's at so you should definitely reach out to them because they probably yeah. feel that same way too i always felt that i was never part of the fun jump crowd until i got really good and they started asking me to teach them but i wasn't mm-hmm. never really part of that crowd i was a worker and within that worker world dude they're tight the ti's with the camera guys with the aff right. that world is tight you know what I mean? And they're mm-hmm. very close knit. So you'll see 
A lot of AFF guys don't hang out with the fun jumpers either. TIs are on the plane, hucking droves. They might get a sunset load if they still want to jump anymore after knocking out 10, 12 tandems. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I wish, but there's no way to wish this. The only way I got in was because a guy named Jack Reeves gave me a break. Right? I was an IAD student, which means they called us stepchildren. Well, they just take us up to 3-5, let us crawl out in the wing, and then shut the door and fly away. You know what I mean? There was nobody messing with us. We just let go and fall. <laughs> you know? But it was cheaper for me. And yeah. um, I ended up building a ramp to simulate the exit <clears throat> from the mock-up, where you lay on the creeper, and you'd hold on, and you'd let go, and it'd give you that feeling, and you'd have to hold your arch while you went backwards down this ramp. It was dangerous <laughs> as hell. But um, <laughs> because of that, I got free jumps. And I started teaching the first jump course at like 32 jumps, 35 jumps. I was fresh out of college. I was all motivated. I, I watched the class, and I revamped it for the DZO. And he's like, go ahead and teach it so he can be on the plane. Did I misunderstand something? You no, were dude. teaching other people at 35 jumps? 35 skydives, bro. I was just regurgitating what the boss said. You know, I was just regurgitating off the outline. And I taught that course for six years. Every weekend, I was the only guy doing it. You know, mm -hmm. and then I was coach AFF tandem video you know so that, the way I only way I got to skydive is clocking in right I never had a surplus of cash uh, my first rig I got for 650 bucks and it had a reserve in it it was an old javelin and then I bought a $200 Sabre 1 and threw it in there and that's what I jumped for years Ugh. yeah man I, but your neck remembers that oh man there's a ninja in your backpack buddy <laughs> <laughs> But, but, yeah, it's the barrier of entry. So yeah, that's what I would wish was different somehow. So going back to the, the Polish conversation, the Italian conversation, they're government-sponsored, aren't they, in, in the world? Weren't they uh, government teams? The, the Italian team is a military team. So, yeah, they are sponsored. Um, the Polish team is just a group of guys. That just a group of guys. Yeah. Wow. Good on them. Um, but, yeah, we don't have anything like that here. You know, if you want to go skydive, no. you got to scrape, bro. I had to, I was waiting tables. So I would like, um, I would tell people to go home early. I'd do their side work for like five bucks. And then I'd take the rest of their tables for jump money. Right? It was tough. You know, I didn't have an engineering job or I wasn't ex-military. A lot of these guys are retired and they have pensions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the, the barrier to entry, if there's some way to get, because it's such a wonderful sport. It's such a wonderful experience. It changes you. It builds you as a human. It gives you confidence that you've never had before. And you kind of, I kind of discovered myself from leaving the airplane. So I, I wish there was a way to get more people into the sport well, and it wasn't I, I so expensive. You guys, you both might be participating in a, in a way forward. I can't say that, you know, Maybe when iFly has different management, it'll be the, the way forward. Um, but tunnels, tunnels can expose a lot of people to it. And in addition to that, um, I wrote a little paper years ago about the cost differential between tunnel and skydiving. And, and the reality for most people should be that uh, they can get quite a bit better by going and flying in the tunnel and conserve some of those skydiving funds. Even though it seems like you're plunking down a lot of money, you know, in one go, you got to pay I don't know, whatever, 250 bucks for 15 minutes. Um, but if you compare that to 15 minutes of skydiving with a coach and safety and oh, blah, 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 it's, it's actually right. quite reasonable. Um, so, you know, that that has been, I think, a, a way, certainly as a competitor, the um, 
the skill level of skydiving has grown over the years, and that that is attributable, I think, directly to sky, uh, to the indoor skydiving or uh, winter yeah. flying. Uh, to your point. Well, I'm interested but, to hear your your answer to that question. Is is there? Something oh, I about? have one, but I I wanted to say about the Packers that. Um, I've actually been on both sides of what Waz talked about. I owned a bar when I started skydiving and I did have disposable income. And then I also got out of the bar just to be a skydiver and went back to not having disposable income. And, uh, you know, AFF and TAN video and that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't really feel like I fit in very well with the drop zone. And so I started hanging around with the, the, the packing crew um, and uh, just got friendly with, with the guy that was there all the time. and. Um, he taught me how to pack and the buddy that I started skydiving with and just a real quality individual. And that's Vladdy that started vertical suits. Um, and you guys know him now. Um, and then our packers, you know, it's a little bit different community on, at Skydive Chicago, but uh, Kevin and Nell are our packers. And I think Waz is 100% correct that they're, man, their nose is to the grindstone during the day because they're making donuts. And then, but at the end of the day, you know, at Chicago, we got a little community there where people are going to grill out and hang out after hours. Then we get to see that they are shining stars of individuals, you know, and, and you get to hear their thoughts and a little bit maybe about what's going on in the packing mat, but that's that's not always what we're talking about. And, you know, certainly we get to see inside of their personality. So I think you're going to be, you know, there's going to there's gonna, there's going to be some people that you might spark up a conversation with and go, uh, maybe I should have left that one alone. And then I think you probably find some gems there as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shy, but during the day when they're cranking, they're probably having a conversation about the new constellation that got discovered. It's not what they're going to want to do. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Um, is, um, is Pluto a planet or not? Yeah. Yo. Like you, you mentioned the two hundred fifty dollars for the fifteen, right? Yeah. At the tunnel, which is old. I'm a tunnel guy. I've been there for more than a decade, right? It, it's super beneficial, but that one twenty-five dollar jump, or it's thirty dollars now, even if it's just one mm. jump, is exponentially better. I mean, the, the the culture at the tunnel doesn't really lend itself to hanging out having fun, that glee, that, that joy you get at the drop zone, right? So I can understand why people are like, ah, I feel I didn't really get anywhere. I struggled, and it was really cold. Like, the iFly models mm -hmm. kind of get in, get out. It's not really a, a warm environment where you can go to the drop zone and make two jumps, spend eight hours there, hang out at the bonfire, and you feel like your life has been fulfilled. You know, you've got great friends, great laughter, camaraderie, you know, the fear of the exit, the landing. Did you do it right? Somebody cut me off. The wind direction changed. There's so much stuff going on. We're at the tunnel, and then the instructors, they're at work. You know, you want to be their friends, but they've got you. they got another student. They've got classes going on. So it's difficult to get the same amount of joy from the tunnel that you do skydiving. I agree with that. Yeah. Dude, I think I think was that's that's one of the reasons that you know your your flight nights there at Austin, and then we do. I mean, you know, we just copied you. We did exactly what you were doing. We started trying to do the exact same thing in San Antonio. Me and me and Tony Belmonte, and we had a blast, dude. We had so, so much, much fun. fun, and I think it's because we were we were actually providing, trying to provide that type of atmosphere. Like we were getting together. We were so I was so excited for those Thursday nights when all those people would show up. You know, 15, 18, 20 people. It's like a pickup game of 
four-way tunnel flying. Like that's what it felt like a pickup game of basketball. You know, like we're just yeah. having so much fun. Like, ah, oh, it was awesome. Like, so yeah, that cool. was the goal of flight nights. I was like, people are going to the drop zone on Saturday, even if their grandma dies. They'll catch up with her on Sunday. You know what I mean? They're going to the drop zone. And I wanted them to come to the tunnel on Thursdays to know that they're going to have that community. We're going to go to the bar afterwards. We're all going to talk and bullshit. And it's not how good you are. It's just all about learning and fun, you know? And it's, it's that community. It's what people crave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no yeah. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jairus, what, what you, or go ahead, what were yeah. you saying? I, I, I want, the caveat to what I'm going to say is that I think it's improved, but when I started skydiving, we were still solidly in the Sky God uh, era, and mm-hmm. I think it always struck me as odd that you could, I'm not going to name the negative side, because everybody's got that answer if I just say that, but um, that you could meet someone like Craig Gerard or Pete Allen, uh, you know, just despite their accomplishments, real humble guys and down to earth. And, you know, I met Craig Gerard uh, in Eloy in 2002, I believe. And then, or maybe 2003. And I, I saw him next at the U.S. Nationals in Lake Wales in 2005, I think. And he came walking up to me, Jason, good to see you again. No I mean, I, I had maybe a hundred jumps when I met him we made one jump I was there with some belly flyers he came along he said can I come <laughs> you can come and I, I three years later he remembered my first name and shook my hand and I was just like man this, what That's a guy so you know awesome. like right. talked to me for a few minutes and I, I you know I was competing in intermediate four-way belly um you know and he's a world champion at that point and and, and you know uh over the years I've definitely developed a feeling of of trying to emulate that because we're falling out of planes. We don't need to have big egos, but all of us have met somebody who was the antithesis of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that part, when I, when I run into those kind of people still, I just, I don't know, man, I, I, I kind of want to stomp my feet at them, but then I just shake my head and I, mm-hmm. I guess we're, we're just a big collection of people and you're going to get a lot of different kinds of them. Um, and, but I definitely, I wish that newer jumpers, I hope that newer jumpers are discerning enough to see the difference between those two kinds of people and, and hopefully stay away from the, the people who are here for, I don't know, feeding their ego. This is one other thought I had, and this is not, I don't think this is something that needs to change because I don't think it's this way. I'm just, something that we've been trying to do at, at San Marcos um, is having the the free flyers, the movement flyer, kind of, the, and the belly groups. Like we've got, you know, you, a lot of most of the time, it kind of seems like you've got people who are clearly, you know, having fun with big weight belly stuff, belly formation, doing all that stuff. And then there's a group of people who are trying to, you know, do more vertical flying, free flying movement, whatever. And um, me, you know, I typically organize those kind of jumps, the free flying, the movement, and then there's the guys that organize the belly stuff. And we keep trying over and over and over to try to get our groups to jump together. And I am so thankful for those guys. We, we haven't got to do it very much, but I am so, it makes me feel so good that they want to jump with us. And because I want to jump with them. Like I've gone on a few of those, those belly jumps. And for one, it's just, it's challenging and it's super fun, but that they are excited to want to 
jump with me and, and my friends and my people and, and that they want us to do that, like that makes me feel so good. I, I love that about the skydiving community and I, I, I hope that that's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's not everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. You know, well, I, I think a lot of the belly guys have been jumping together for so long. You know, they're normally older guys in booty suits. You know what I mean? There's a lot of gray mm -hmm. hair walking around in the belly jumps. And those guys have been together for so long, it's hard to break that crew. And the, there's a safety issue involved with jumping with <clears> people. And they don't want to yeah. deal with some wild, crazy free flyer coming, blowing the crew yeah. up. Well, free flyers yeah, can't belly sense. fly to save their life. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can't <laughs> build a round, bro. <laughs> I've taken free flyers. Hey, let's just build a round and then go from there. And it, it takes half the skydive. Yeah. You know, so I can understand. I, it's hard to bridge that gap, and the, the belly flyers can't sit fly or go head down very well. So it's hard to blend that, you know? I, yeah. I, but I got to come back to the tunnel, guys, and say that it's a cheap way for a lot of people to learn. And I have been encouraged over the years even to see some kind of, I don't know, for, for lack of a better term, kind of crusty belly flyers who are like, hey, I want to learn something new. And mm -hmm. they, they're mm -hmm. coming in and back flying or sit flying and just just seeing them kind of dip their toe in the water is encouraging for sure. Yeah, and I would, I would like to see, you know, to what you're saying about the tunnel and the, the cost difference of the tunnel being cheaper. The other thing, benefit of the tunnel is that, and, and Waz, you know this, because getting, when you, the better you get at whatever discipline, the more fun you have at the drop zone. So it's okay if that, if that atmosphere is not the same at the tunnel as it is at the drop zone, that, that's okay. It'd be awesome if it was the same, but even if it's not, it's okay because it's still time and energy and effort well spent because I really believe it's going to make your time at the drop zone more enjoyable. You're going to, you're, you're, you might even be more of a benefit to the people you're jumping with because um, you're going to be a safer flyer. You're going to be more knowledgeable. You're going to be able to help them like, and you're going to be able to join in and do more stuff and feel more comfortable, more relaxed. So. Even if even if the atmosphere is not there, it's still super beneficial, you know. Oh, yeah. You're preaching to the choir, buddy. I mean, I yeah, don't, I know. You know, <clears throat> you know. But it's just I've seen that people get frustrated at the tunnel, especially if you have mm -hmm. a bad coach. If you end up with a bad coach mm -hmm. and you're just in there repeating the same drill over and over and don't feel you're getting anywhere, you know, it's easy to get frustrated. Where on a skydive, even if you mess it up, you can look around and see a, a, a sunset or something, and you're like, oh, that was the best jump of my life. Hmm. You know, and, and I, I think. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. That's it. Well, I was just going to say that you know I, I I agree with what Waz said that the the iFly model is not not really about keeping you around. It, it feels a little bit more to me like an amusement park. Like they shuffle you through the line and then out you go. But it, I don't know if you guys have been to European tunnels and then now uh, you know Colorado Springs is trying to emulate that and. Uh, Ray Kubiak and uh, Cam Cam McMahon are opening up a tunnel at the old Pigeon Forge site in Tennessee, where they are. Two yeah, two tunnels in one building, and you know they're shooting for that. Hey, we want you as a customer, and not only that, but we want to keep you here. Colorado Springs has a bar and a restaurant inside and stadium seating, and and they want you to hang around after you're done. And and that's what Ray and Cam are also going to be shooting for is is an experience that isn't uh, herding cattle. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Right. All right. I want to. I want to move on to the next. The next little section of the of the 
talk. Um, I, I just try to pick a topic that's simple to discuss, but it, it's a it's a real question for me. I I think there's an obvious answer, but seat belts on the plane and tightening seat belts. Right. You that's know, a little um, bit of a pet peeve for me. I, I well, don't listen, know. Am, am, they're not seat belts, dude, because you're not in a seat. They're cargo belts. They're cargo belts, and they hold you from shifting, sliding to the back, and crashing the damn plane. So I, I feel they need to be tight. I, dude, put your, put your strap on. You know what I mean? For the safety of everybody on board. I've why, always, is, why is it that nobody tightens them? Because it's so cool. You just want to be cool. It's like, why do guys walk to the plane without their rig on? I don't know. Uh, I've never it, seen that. It's always, it's always it's, it's bothered me. It's always bothered me. The lax, the lax approach to, to, to safety on the plane. You know, I, I, I don't know why we don't do a better job of it, but it's a cargo belt to keep you from shifting to the tail of the air. Am I, am I, I mean, J-Russ, am I wrong in thinking that tightening, tightening that seat belt makes a significant difference in the case of a, of a plane crash or, or something, tur even significant turbulence or something? It seems to me like it, it can make such a huge difference having that thing tight versus, you know, three feet long. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're going to drive a car, and wear your seatbelt really loose, what's the point? Yeah, uh, right. I mean, because it's not the impact that kills you, it's the second impact that kills you. And if you're building up speed across the distance uh, and then you impact the side of the plane, then that's going to be a, quite a bit worse. And so, yeah, tighten seatbelt. Uh, I've seen it as a difference. Ego. It's an ego thing. Like some guys, I don't, I don't need a seatbelt. I don't care. I'm good. You know, like, come on, man. It's not for you, bro. So, are you guys still familiar with the name Fabian Riddell? Do you know that name? Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the in the early days of free flying guys, he was one of the best in the world. He was on a team with a Brazilian named Joao Tambor. Um, and, uh, I know Tambor. Yeah. And then I think uh, Juliana was also on that team. Uh, I, might, I think that was uh, Joao's wife. But uh, in any case, uh, Fabian was organizing in, it might, it might be Ukraine, some Eastern European country, and he wore his seatbelt uh, and wore his helmet for takeoff as well and was catching shit from the other guys kind of on the cool factor that that you know you just said and Fabian I mean Fabian's been around a long time I don't know jump numbers but he's I would hazard a guess at 15,000 um, and uh, he, he said I don't care what you say I'm gonna keep wearing my seatbelt and the plane went down Mm. And guys, it is a harrowing story. Six people died. Mm. Uh, Fabian's a little bit claustrophobic, but his seatbelt held him in place. The wing crushed under him. He was wearing his, his helmet, so he stayed alive, even though the girl next to him died. Mm. Uh, and the, the story is crazy. But if you, I, I mean, if he could cut and paste that to anybody who's not serious about their seatbelts or their helmet on takeoff, and, and they could hear that story, I mean, he, he was trapped under that wing for 45 minutes, Christ. crushed next to a dead person with fuel leaking on him before they could jaws a life him out of the plane. And, uh, and, and that's the kind of thing where, yeah, you might be the cool guy not wearing your seatbelt or not wanting to tighten it up right up until you need it. And, and especially considering, you know, that Paris crash that happened so many years ago where it became the rule that camera flyers had to wear their helmet. I don't know if you guys remember that one. That's the crash where Dan BC and uh, I think Troy Ridgery 
were the two survivors out of an otter full of people because there's uh, water in the fuel, if I remember right. Um, but uh, they pulled out a camera flyer's helmet that wasn't connected to anything, and it had like yes. six or seven different DNA types on it. Um, Which means it, it bounced just, around the cabin. It bro. bounced around. I remember um, this so, story. Yeah, I mean, and and especially with what you're saying, Chris, you know, the idea of, of somebody wearing their seatbelt at the maximum length, if, if you guys think about the expression of your rights end where my rights begin, you, I mean, you're now a deadly thing for me if, if the plane goes down. So those kinds of things that I think people don't maybe think about too much in the beginning can become real crucial issues when there's a problem. And, you know, with experience, the more you jump, the more airplane emergencies you're going to go through. I've had engines out. I've had to bail. I've had to ride down with tandem students freaking out. Otters have, you know, engine out. King Air engine out. We know about that. Uh, you know Yeah, I've I had mean? six or seven aircraft emergencies. Uh, five of them were lost engines. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, I mean, you get a new appreciation for taking your safety seriously. Mm -hmm. Yep. So my well, students I are jump ready when we walk to the plane. Like, I don't, <clears throat> I don't f around. Like, if we got to get out at two, you got to be ready. You're not fumbling with your helmet trying to, you know. It's yep. well, that I got. I got to confess. I got to confess the helmet thing. I'm. I almost always just clip it to my chest strap, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going I'm yeah, to no, start wearing jump it. Jump ready, bro. That's. You know. So okay. you guys, are you guys? Oh, are you aware of a crash in Dubai a few years ago? You guys aware of that one? Mm -hmm. no. A caravan went down. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, a caravan, normally when it loses an engine, the, 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 the propeller and the engine aren't actually physically connected. So it can glide for quite a while. Whatever happened to this caravan, it chunked in the front and the pilot couldn't do anything to, to change the pitch of the blades. And it was, I think, 22 or 2,400 feet and they were on the ground in seconds. And the, the pilot did a great job. Uh, there was a broken wrist and a, and a fractured rib. I think out of that and then the plane burned to the ground but everybody got out alive Pablo Hernandez was on that plane Matt Munting who is no longer with us sadly but he was on that plane friend of mine Omar friend of mine Pat Kay uh, they the pilot turned around and said sit down we're, we're going we're going down and in that few seconds you had to make sure everything was tight and everything's good and man if you're not ready for those moments or you're I mean, who, who's going to feel dumber than somebody who goes down in a plane with a helmet on their chest strap? I mean, that's just like that's just not the place for it. No way. Or and you if you're panicking, yeah, you're fumbling. The, dude, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and even, right. even if you didn't need the helmet to protect your head, what if you get crushed against that helmet and just crushes your ribs and yeah. lungs and heart, you know? Like, I'm gonna, that's, that's silly for me not to put it on. Or what if it bounces up and takes your teeth out and now you look <laughs> yeah. silly for the next... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, just so, give yourself the best chance you can. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. Why, why not? Why have I not been putting it on? That's the point. And why not? I mean, now I do tighten my seatbelt. Um, but if I'm going to do that, why not put my helmet on? <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so a related question to the seatbelt. Um, do, does it matter if that seatbelt is through a leg strap? Uh, yes! Or a, it does. Okay, tell, talk to me. Tell us. It needs to be on a structural component of your harness and not your chest strap. That is not no, a no. structural component. Okay, but not, a leg not strap or lift webbing, anything that's structurally in, integrated to your harness. That's that. I, I, I wasn't talking about chest strap. I've never put it through my chest strap. But yeah. I've heard people say that a lift web is not 
no, no, no. Lift good or something? No, or? I disagree with that. Lift okay. and leg straps are both okay in my okay. opinion. There's obviously more pivot potential if it's on your leg strap, in, in my opinion, um, but uh, either of those are okay. But I, I, I struggle with people putting it on their chest strap. That's not a load-bearing part of your equipment. Yeah. So what about like if you're, you know, sometimes you're yoke. sitting on the floor and you got it on the yoke. Yeah, is that okay? I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like it near the handles, mm. right? Because it could, you know, you're getting free fall now. Your handles flopping because your seatbelt scraped it, right? Mm. And anything around your three rings, dude, just leg strap. It's super simple. Just slide. Here's the thing: when people struggle with the leg strap, they try to put the buckle through. Just put yeah. the, 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 yeah. the thin part through and buckle that shit. Yeah. It's so simple. It's that it's a. I think it's a sky god thing. You know, like I'm good. I'm I'm so badass. I jump out of planes. I don't need this safety stuff because I'm taking risks. I ride a motorcycle to the drop zone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. So I'm, let's go to the next. Hit. We've got. It looks like we do have one person watching. One what up, whoever you which are? Is super man. awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad that somebody's here. I don't know who it is. Um, if, is there a chat lock? A chat? I don't know. That's Maybe what I'm trying can, to figure out. There's a chat but, icon down. For me, it's underneath Laws. Um, but it's on the bottom it. right. If you're watching us, if you're the audience member, Guess then audience. can you put, figure yeah, out how to ask us a question? Put your name in the chat. Let's figure out who you are. Yeah, we, we want to know who you are. We want to hear a question. Just, uh, hey, what's up? Something. Or, oh, it's David. Okay, this is awesome. David is, JRS, David is actually doing, um, he's helping out with all the motion graphics for y'all's course, he just oh, sent, okay. he just sent me a few today that he had been working on. They look they look fantastic. He's doing a really good job. Cool. All right, David. Very cool. What up, David? Uh, is, David, is your is your wife watching with you? Let's see if he, what he says. No, sorry, she's working. Okay, cool. That's all right, man. Um, well, dude, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, David. If you uh, do, you have any questions or anything, any comments or anything like that, man? James, where are you again? <laughs> Fellas, I'm in a very remote location in Colorado. Uh, oh, you're back nine. home. Good. Yeah, we bought a house with a friend that uh, the, the guy couldn't finish building. And um, my last five days have been uh, working with her dad to trench about a half a mile because we don't have water in this house. And so I meant to tell you beforehand, if I look dirty, it's because it's been five <laughs> days without a shower. Uh, and... Uh, like I got a couple you, more you're not home. doing this by hand are you doing it by hand or you have a trench oh no 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 we rented a backhoe but okay. digging half a mile four feet down through rock and dirt in the rockies is, uh, yeah right is, is a lot of work Jeez. but we're down kind of near four corners in colorado okay cool well good. hey david i i'm so glad you're here if you have any questions or anything please post them right there i'll try to keep my eye on the chat and we, we would love to try to answer them um absolutely all hey, right Chris, so yeah so if you got a second you should uh, put a link on United States Fun Jumpers or Beginning Skydivers Forum real quick and ask people to join in now, like live. Uh, so you see that what David just yeah. texted? Or I'd only I'll add to barrier. Yeah, go go over watch. No, you did. I'd only add to barrier of entry. I'm near 500 jumps and pretty good, biggish way belly flyer. I would love to be a master vertical flying. Be a master. Okay. Vertical flyer. But I jump only three to four days a month, and it would take forever for me to get that good. True of any sport, really. True, but that's where the tunnel comes in, bro. You yeah. can spend a week at the tunnel and catch up with anybody. <laughs> it's magic, man. It is a magic tube. 
Hey, and that, like, true of any sport, this is one of the, I've thought about this a lot, and it blows me away at skydiving. When you, when you think about it, how good we get in such a short amount of time, and I mean everybody in the sport, like, that you can learn how to control your body in the air in 45 or 50 second spurts, like through AFF. I mean, there's plenty of, hundreds, thousands of people who go through AFF, get their license, without going to the tunnel or anything. That, that's amazing to me. Like, think about, you do 25 jumps and you can safely jump out of the airplane. Okay, you have not even 25 minutes of free fall, right? Is that true? Right. right. Let's say you've never ever played tennis, never. And you go spend 25 minutes playing tennis, you still suck. Like, you're not any better than when you started. <laughs> You've learned Life's nothing. not in jeopardy when you suck at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, seriously, it's really amazing that we can do that. Yeah. And I don't think that, I'm not saying that me or you or Waz, we're not special. Everybody does that. I think that's so awesome that, that a human oh, yeah. being can do that is so cool. Dude, we figured uh, it out letting go of the Cessna, bro. Like, there yeah. was no AFF. Nobody told me to straighten my legs. I just spun to about 4,000 feet and threw my parachute out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. that was 50 jumps that was 50 skydives dude I was just spinning it was cool I was happy to be there yeah yeah <laughs> look at you uh, I did a static line that was my first jump but I didn't go on any kind of learning progression and it was I had no free fall it was a static line my canopy was open so you got to go to the plane Hey Jairus, have you have you happened to you haven't been to the the military tunnel in Thailand? Have you? They they opened up back in I think it was 2018, 2019. Have no, you the next World Indoor Championships are in Macau. Okay. Um, but I don't think that's Thailand. I think it's no, no, no. Philippines. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. No. Yeah. Um, that it just made me think of when we said static line. They they um one of the one of the guys at that tunnel on that military base, he told me that they, they still have an old, or at least at that time when the tunnel opened, they have an old, like a dirigible, like a hot air balloon that's tethered to the ground. It goes up 800 feet, and that's how they teach their military guys. They do static lines from 800 feet out of a, not a hot air balloon, a blimp. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome. That sounds like base heaven. Jeez. Who hasn't daydreamed um, about that? It's crazy. I mean, you kind of want to do it, I don't would you? call that a nightmare. <laughs> oh, no way. Dude, 800 I'm feet? A, I'm not a base jumper, though. That sounds... Oh, stat- okay, would you do it? Static line. If, if you could do it right now, if we could go, you could. would you do it? Like for fun? Like static line around? Just to do it. No. no, no. They're, they're static line rounds. They're not getting squares I, out. In I don't know what they're... I don't know. Yeah, what it's around. It's military training. But look, the C-130 mm-hmm. comes over at 900 feet. It's not much higher, lower than what they're doing. Anyway. Yeah, but you've got but you've got wind speed to help open the canopy at least, right? You've got oh, on you've a got static line. Speed. It's open. It's in the wind. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. You guys are talking love, about scenarios that I, I wouldn't choose to do. Yeah, dude, I would love to have a tethered blimp. But how do you get it back up? You only get one jump, but you got to pull it back down. Unless there's like an elevator, like some kind of pulley system to get you back. Dude, I would no, jump no, this shit all no. day, son. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I don't know how many people that. it holds. It probably holds a bunch of people. You just got to oh, winch yeah. down at the bottom. It just winches you back up. Dude, you know, I'm going to start a new DZ. 
you, Waz, you didn't they do that at Cave of the Swallows and they, uh, they jumped in and then z- yeah. uh, got winched back up. Winched back up, yeah. Those were the um, air earth jumps, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, dope. I, a guy that I used to scout up with sometimes, Jay Epstein. He used to run tours down to Mexico for Cave of the Swallows, and they would they would jump into the cave, and then they would you know set up a a, a police a winch system to take you back to the top. Like, they had the, was... they had the cable right. It was a cable Man, I, that they were leaving from. They weren't leaving from a plane. Only guys did that was in Point Break two, the last movie. Those guys got out of the C one thirty. They released all that cash, and then they tracked into the hole and dumped their canopies. It was great. I just watched it the other night. <laughs> Is it real? Did they really do that? No, I haven't seen no, that movie, dude. <laughs> no. So there's a um in China they have a big cave, oh, God. and I know they were. It's a it's like a cable system, and they were released from the cable like a like a gondola, mm-hmm. and they would jump off the gondola into the hole. But yeah, nobody. I don't think anybody's left a plane into the hole. That'd be pretty dope. That'd be awesome. I mean, I know the guys that were the stunt guys for Point Break, and they're pretty talented flyers. But I, I don't think any of them would choose to. Yeah, no, it wasn't free really falling through that hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so last uh, last topic on my list for today um, was I-, I wanted to talk about organizing and especially I wanted to hear from you Jay Russ because you, you know you, you've done a lot of organizing over the years lots of different types and stuff and um, like I, I mean I, I organize I'm obviously more of a weekend organizer out at the drop zone I really enjoy it I, I love it but sometimes I, I want I question like am I doing a good job am I like helping people am I you know I, I really wanted to hear from you and, and of course was you too I mean but what what makes a good organizer? What are the responsibilities of an organizer? What what are the things that, as an organizer, <clears throat> that people should be thinking about? What are some of the common mistakes organizers make? And you know how how can someone know when they should maybe say, oh, I don't know if I should, maybe I shouldn't jump with that organizer. Maybe I shouldn't jump with that person. Or just kind of those kind of questions, all you know, all around that topic. Was you want to go or you want me to go? Um, only thing I would say on that is a good organizer has to be able to vision every single aspect of that skydive, every slot, every danger point, um, all the way down to break off and canopy patterns. Like a good organizer, it's not easy to organize. And like there's a lot of people out there throwing jumps together and hey guys, come jump with me. But a good organizer, man, it's it's you got to be a visionary, right? You have to see everything before it happens. You have to know the whole jump and then put people in the right places. So it's not easy. That's all I have to say on that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that probably the overarching theme that, that I would like people who are going to get into organizing to adopt as they get into it is that they're going to shepherd these people and they're going to try and keep them safe. And so all, the, all other things sort of following that if it's my job to keep these guys safe, I mean, they're coming to you for fun skydives, but I think that, that that as an undercurrent, I need to keep, I need to keep these, you know, baby birds safe. Um, and so then some of the answers of, of the pitfalls that organizers commonly fall into, uh, I think the biggest one would be that they allow too many people into the group mm. and they have Definitely. not, 
I've been no, guilty they of have that not too many times. Prescribed a limit for uh, they don't know the people they're jumping with. They don't have personal experience with them. They can't give a qualified answer for what that person is capable of because they, they, the guy literally walked up and said, "Hey, I want to get organized," and you know, so, <clears throat> and I, I I fell into that when I was a new organizer as well. Um, but it, it similar to sort of the plain uh, seatbelt discussion that we had man, it's all cool till it's not. And then when it's not, and you were the person that was responsible for shepherding those baby birds, you suddenly have this sense of responsibility um, that uh, probably isn't gonna feel very nice if, if one of those people gets hurt. Um, and so if, if everybody that got into it could shade on that side of, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little bit more circumspect here. I, I'm looking at this guy who's, you know, he's got a rig that looks like it's holding a 210 and i never jumped with him before and he must be a tunnel rat yeah he's got he's wearing a pro tech uh you know or i mean it doesn't have to be so obvious but but if you go into your organizing day with hey if i don't know these people i'm not going bigger than three plus me or you know your drop zone may actually give you prescribed minimums but they probably don't set a maximum which is which is a maybe a failure on the drop zone but for sure something that should be in the organizer's mind like until i have Mm -hmm. um so just keeping those kids safe you know that's that's Mm -hmm. your job and and it is going to be fun and everybody's going to have fun but um i've been on jumps where people were injured of course and um that that feels terrible Um, give give me some um if you don't mind some some coaching advice on how to in a kind way tell someone they can't go with you on a jump because that that's for me that that's hard I think I'm getting better at it I think um, probably that's you know as you as you go along you realize man I can't I just can't do that anymore that's not safe that's not right but I remember you know eight years ago whenever ten years ago when I first started jumping and wanting to be included and being told no and that feeling of not being included and I I hate like making people feel that way, which that's not, that's not, I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just talking. So can you, what do you say to, how do you respectfully in a kind way do that? Well, as you look like you got something. Yeah. Say. Well, what I've done, what I've learned to do, because of course, back in the day I was a jackass too, you know, like ego organizer. I'm cool. You can go, you can't go. That's, that's, that's shit. But what I've learned is, hey man, get on the next load with me and let's see where you're at. Let me jump, hey, I'll jump with you in a minute. But um, you know, right now we're doing this, I'm not sure your skill level, but I'll jump with you. Go jump with them, bro. Let's go do a two-way and rip it up and then we'll go from there. Because if the jump fails and you're organizing, it's your fault, dude. It's not the guy that, that smashed into formation it's not the guy that went low and couldn't get in. It's not their fault. And I've seen a lot of organizers get on the ground and start pointing fingers like, oh, you weren't in your spot. You were. That's your fault as the organizer, right? And if you take it on that responsibility, you'll easily say, hey, man, not this jump, but let me jump with you on the next one or as soon as I can, and then we'll get you there or we'll talk about it. But, yeah, just saying no is – but it's hard. Like, you only got one day and there's only so many loads, you know? So sometimes it's, it's kind of like I can't jump with you. But if you just give that offer, hey, let me jump with you or come to the tunnel with me or something if you can't get with them that day, right? But um, you, you, you extend that olive branch that 
maybe not this load, but I will get with you and we'll talk, right? And maybe we'll jump and then maybe we'll get you to that skill level would be my answer. Yeah, I, th I think that just revolving back to, to the beginning statements there of if you have some sort of prescribed limit for yourself, hey, I've got a, a bunch of variables in this equation that I'm not familiar with, man. I'm jumping with three guys. I only know two of them. And so that other guy is kind of a wild card and I don't want to add any more people until I know how he can fly. And so it's not pawning it off on someone else's skill sets that you're not aware of. It's just being honest that I don't, I don't want to start including multiple unknown variables into this equation. Um, and, and then the, uh, the follow-up to that is if it's, you know, if it's a small drop, something that's not, not too busy, <clears throat> I think that it's very fair to say, look, my group is maxed out right now, but you're first on the list for the next jump. And I think, you know, I think Waz kind of touched on this, but um, just about being the cool guy group, if I ask an organizer, can I go? And they say, no, I don't know you. Okay. But if that's going to be this, the answer for the whole day while you jump with your buddies, man, I'm going to leave upset. And, 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 but if you just say, hey, the group's capped out right now for safety and I'll pick you up on the next one, you'll be the first one in the group and then we're gonna cap it at the exact same point for your safety as well, then that makes sense. It's something fair that that, that person understands and it's not, the answer isn't you suck and I don't and so I'm not taking you. That's not the job of the organizer. Um, that's maybe a paid coach on the weekend or or you signed up for a skills camp or I mean, it's still not you suck, it's just my group is my group. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think just being transparent about what your mindset is, because um, just flat out no, I agree with Waz, that feels bad. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, if you just flesh that out a little bit, then it's going to just feel like, mm, okay, that's that's just the way it works. Yeah. Man, the cap. The cap is genius. Yeah, it is. Right? Because it creates mm -hmm. a scarcity also. Like, hey, uh, I'm maxed out, but, you know, get in line. If you want to get on it, it'll, I, I like the cap. I like the cap. It's a safety thing. I don't like doing more than three ways, personally. Like, if I'm organizing, doing movement and stuff, it's I don't want the fourth guy out there. And just, I'm just old and I don't want to get hurt, and I've seen too much stuff in the sky and collisions and stuff. People passed out, knocked out unconscious, being deployed by their friends. I, I'm, just, I'm just done with it, you know what I mean? So it's easy for me to be like, man, I only do three ways. But if an organizer did have a cap of five, then it's easy to be like, hey, I've got my five guys, sign up for the next one. And that might make them excited to be on the next load. But yeah, that, that straight out no. How many people have quit because of a rude word in the landing area? When, when, when emotions are high and they made a mistake and somebody's like, well, oh, you did this. And they never come back to the drop zone. You ruin their life, bro. You know what I mean? You've, you've stolen skydiving from them. <laughs> I, <I've laughs> it's not funny, Jay Russ. That's serious, man. Well, you just reminded me of this old hockey commercial where Cam Neely's like, what do you want to come over and kick my dog to? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so David asked a question, um, which I want to answer. Um, uh, but I wanted to add, I, I, and this is kind of a plug for Scott of Chicago, but I think it's appropriate at this point that I organizers, I organize the organizers for Summerfest, and that's a big boogie, you know, 600 to 1,000 people, and, and there's um, anywhere from 20 to 30 free fly organizers. Um, and and I'm, I'm very clear with them that we set group maximums that we put on a board that everyone can see. The maximums can be flexible as long as the organizer has personal experience with every person. 
and then they can choose to expand their group. And if they don't, they can't expand it any more than the maximum that I've prescribed. What are those? And the other part of that is if someone can't go, and sometimes, you know, we have uh, four different levels of uh, angle and then four different levels of free fly, beginner, intermediate, advanced, and ninja. And we, we commonly have a situation where somebody thinks they're, they belong in one group, but they don't. They, they belong in the other group. And the organizer is required to take them to an organizer in the other group and say, hey, this is so-and-so. They're not really ready for my ninja angle right now, but we think I think they're probably going to be better off in your group. Um, so that it's not good luck. It's, hey, we, we want you to be here, and you're just not <clears throat> quite at the right place right now. Yeah, they're still, they're still trying to serve them. And take yeah. care of them. That's awesome. What are the maximums, or does it does it vary? Uh, it depends on the discipline. There's generally in ninja, there's no maximum or um, uh, an eight, maybe something very loose for the organizer. But um, uh, then, as it gets into the small, uh, sorry, the the more beginner levels, it gets much much smaller. Intro to angle is a maximum of three plus the organizer. Uh, beginner three fly is a maximum of three. Uh, intermediate for both of those is a max of three, <laughs> and mm -hmm. then a four, advanced and uh, in both is a maximum of four until they know the people. Mm -hmm. So and that's a mega drop sizes. zone. That's a mega yeah. drop zone where you have all those people. It's a little bit harder, like San Marcos, when it's just Chris and Adam, right? Who else is there organizing with you? Mm -hmm. Aaron. Aaron. Who, who organizes at San Marcos? Free fly and movement stuff. And yeah. man and me right now are just two guys. Pretty much the only ones. Yeah. So it's a little mm -hmm. tougher when mm -hmm. you have, you know. For sure. Yeah. So, but, did you want to read David's question? Yeah. Go please. Do, go ahead, Jason. Cheers. Uh, do you think a good LO should be prepared to also be a coach and do a debrief after each jump to deliver suggestions for improvement where appropriate? That's so I wanted to, I was going to ask that exact same question. Thank you, David. Um, mm. I think that t if, the, if there's time available, generally right. speaking, organizers um, are not coaches. They're getting <clears throat> no. paid a, maybe a little bit from the drop zone. Maybe they're getting a few free jumps. So it, it kind of depends on the personality, I think, that you're dealing with there. Um, I uh, like at say Summerfest, uh, a debrief is part of being an organizer. You are going to take your group back and find a TV and that's part of the product that we're trying to deliver. But I understand like that's, I mean, but, but our organizers are also getting paid and that's the expectation before they come. And, and so it just, it kind of depends on where you're at. And I think that time available, the organizer knows more generally than the people that he's that he's jumping with. So if you have the time and, and the inclination, I think it's a great way to increase the good feeling that your students have about the experience they just had. But on the other hand, it's more of an overview of the jump. He's not, I don't see the time to like pull a guy aside and focus on one person when you got a group of six or whatever. Yeah. You know, the LO is, and they're like, they're like a party host. They're trying to keep it going for the drop zone, keep the plane full, and it, it's kind of hard. If you're looking for that, you need a coach. Get a guy that's going to like break it down from your exit to your dock to your body position. If that's what you're looking for, it's not really an LO you're looking for, in my opinion. You're looking for a one-on-one -on -one coach, yeah, right? Um, 
you know, two different things. Yeah, if you're getting on a load, if you're getting with a load organizer, you're there to use your skills to go do something together with people. And like he'd be like, yeah, you could come in more aggressive or don't come in so fast. But to break down technique for, you know, you could get caught with one person for the whole day if you're doing that, trying to, you know, get them caught up when an LO is just trying to get the, the jump successful. Hmm. Right? Am I right? I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, um, yeah. I, I mean, you, you shouldn't expect anything like a one-on-one -on -one coach from an organizer. That's just not their job. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, it, I mean, you kind of said it a minute ago, it kind of depends on what you're, what you're doing, what the day looks like, how many people are around, you know. I mean, if I'm, if I'm out at the drop zone on a Saturday and it's really slow, but there's a few, few people jumping with me, and we, we're waiting on the plane, we're waiting on more people. Oh, of course. And, and they have questions, and we're watching the video, and they're asking me, I'm gonna, if we have the time, I'm gonna answer probably as many questions as they ask. But that's also, like, I, that's fun for me. Like, I enjoy it, you know? Um, but if it's super busy, and it's just like, load after load after load, and, and I don't have time, I'm gonna try to give feedback, I'm gonna try to give help, but I can't, like, like you're saying, I just can't go every single person, all that stuff, it's too much. Yeah, and I think I think it would be wrong to have it be your expectation that you're going to get coaching from your organizer. Mm. That's a that's sort of the organizer <clears throat> puts the jumps together and tries to keep it safe and gets you all to the plane on time and and tries to make the jump go the way that we said it was going to go. But it, they're technically they're not a coach. But it's yeah. great if they can do it. Yeah. So I've been that guy on organized jumps, just just bugging the shit out of the lo about myself. Like, what could I do? Mm. What did I do? And like, I, I've seen it. It was an Eloy. It was a while ago, years and years ago. But I saw it in the guy's eye. I think it was Provenzano. It might have been Jeffro. And he was being really sweet. But he's like, dude, we've got, there's a lot of people here. He said it in a very nice way, like, it's not about you, Waz. <laughs> right? And I kind of learned that lesson there, like, oh, I need, to, I need to hire him for the day. And then I can pick his brain like that. But he's, he's trying to get people in the right spot on the exit because we blew the exit. And I'm sitting there bugging him about my dock or something. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was just That's my fair. personal experience. That's totally fair. Yeah. yeah, I just want to add that if Jeffro was organizing at Eloy, you are dating yourself. I know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a hot minute ago. <laughs> yes, sir, it was, man. I think I'm. This is my 18th year, man. All right, on. Yeah, yeah so I'm old too, J. Russ. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> hey, Chris, do we have? Uh, can we do a Friday freakout? Do you have the yeah, video we, capabilities to we, throw that up? Uh, yeah. Do you you want me to pull one up, or do you have one? I don't have one. You, you're in control. Okay. Let me let me see if I can pull one up real quick, um, and then we'll we'll wrap up after that. <clears throat> so J Russ, on, on my show, the Wazi Circus Radio, we always do a Friday freakout. And okay. Oh, they're hilarious. <laughs> There's so much fun to do. <laughs> uh, I actually had to stop doing them for a while. My wife wouldn't let me do them anymore because I was so I would get so adamant about the lack of skill, I guess, or the lack of awareness on the jumper's part. You know, yeah. I'm just a passionate dude. I mean, it's <laughs> nothing bad about that. All right, let's uh, see. Jay Russ, what's your favorite drop zone you've been to and why? Um, man, you guys, I, I'm sorry to give such an easy answer. But I love Chicago. Scott of Chicago. Man, it's, it's just best. it's just a different place. And it, if you haven't been there, you haven't been 
to an event or experience the entirety of that drop zone and just sort of the all-encompassing nature of what it is to be there, the, the crew. Um, they've got a drop zone manager there, Anthony, uh, who is also an SNTA, and he takes his job incredibly seriously. He's a super nice guy, keeping us safe. And and I and I really appreciate his everyday efforts. Um, but above and beyond that, uh, they've got an, a, a first-rate facility. They've got a great restaurant. They've got a bar on the drop zone. They've got uh, you know the tiki that has a, sort of a nightlife environment. They've got a pond. Uh, they've got a shower house. They've got campers. We grill out every night and watch the sun go down. It's just it's just a great Imagine. place. And I, I think I I mean I know that's you know they they sponsor us. And so maybe that seems like an easy answer for everybody, but Steph and I chose to go there um, because of our experiences there. And we approached Rook about sponsorship because we wanted to be at our favorite place. Nice. That's cool. Have you been, Chris? To Chicago? Huh? Yeah. No. I got my tandem rating in Chicago. Oh, right on. Oh, man. What a, I mean, it blew me away. It's a great I came place. from a Cessna drop zone, and I, I thought we were the mecca of skydiving in the world, even though we were in the central Oklahoma. I thought we were skydiving, you know, but you get out to Chicago, dude, oh my God. There's, like he said, you said it the best, man. Restaurant, tiki bar, the trailer row, you know. Hey, I, um, on my training jumps, me and, uh, so I had a, a local on front, and we were, we were trading jumps to get our tandem rating, right? And he wanted to land somewhere else because somebody was meeting him, and I was trying to land in front of our coach. We ended up fighting over the toggles and sliding under the DC-3. <laughs> <laughs> right Stampy under the rating so, right there. Yeah, right, man. <laughs> wow, what a great place, man. All right, I got, I got one pulled up. All, All right, right, let's see it. Can y'all see it? No. Nice. I can oh, there we go. Here okay, we go. Here's got something. it. Oh. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Not a bad exit. All right. So this is a jump without a plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we lost a guy. Yeah, yeah he sunk out way. We lost way. a guy. Okay. What was that, like a donut? Uh, this is a... Going to be a... Okay. Side Can you body. pause the video? Yeah, sure. Oh, For like people I'm... watching, th this is a problem right now. Like, fixing the level is not a joke. And so, Level Slot Doc, if you guys have heard that acronym of LSD, I mean, I'm not surprised that we're seeing this on Friday Freakout because these guys are unconcerned with the fact that as was said we lost a guy yep. getting that guy is priority number one before these points start happening or at least knowing where he is like they are checked out on this other skydiver and man I, I'm already scared for them I, I think yeah. I think we actually just saw in the video right before I paused I think I saw the guy way below them pull no way oh, right, right as we stopped it Right as we stopped, I think I could see yeah. the guy way right. down there. Oh, well, let's see. See, that's why I only do three ways. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, yeah, there it is. You see it down at the bottom? 
Oh no, and yeah. pop out. Oh yeah. my god. So the the camera flyer hit him. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, let's I do that again. Run it back from the It's gonna, it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go back because look how much time is left. Let's see. Yeah. Here it goes. So I mean, the guy that can't stay with the group, he's <clears throat> he's probably the least experienced, least skilled guy in the group. Was that a helmet I mean, that he, he lost? Keep track of that on. guy. Did he lose his helmet? He on lost exit? his helmet. He lost his helmet on, on exit. Jesus. Did you see Did you that? See that? Yeah. And there's that gray hair I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at that, dude! Boom! It got oh, pulled man. off by this guy's this guy's arm right here. Pulled that his helmet off from the back. No, it wasn't. It was, dude. Helmets don't come off. That wasn't. It wasn't. Well, I'm not saying it was that guy's loose. fault. I'm not his saying it was loose. Loose. <laughs> Forget you, Forget you. <laughs> Okay. Look, you see? Oh, oh he dumped. He dumped. Yeah. 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 Oh Jesus! And look at that saber one. Oh. Mm. I mean, yeah, that could have been two fatalities. Very. That might have. That might have been more. a premature, bro. They're way too high to pull. No, they I think that out. guy. He, he was older. I think he got confused because his helmet and all that. And I think he. I don't know. I didn't read the description. I'm just guessing. Man. See, this is why I don't do Friday freakouts anymore on my show, bro. It gives me anxiety. Yeah. Yep. Uh, any any other feedback, <laughs> Jay Russ, on that? Uh, I mean, you, you get some good stuff. I mean, though. yeah, that that, that was a very lucky situation. That, that the, could domino. It's the domino effect. That's the domino <laughs> yeah. effect. And if it just as was said, if you look at any, uh, I, I I'm sorry to phrase it this way, but if you look at the parachutist incident reports that include fatalities, they will almost always say like every other situation this was a chain of events and if we break the link at any one spot this doesn't happen but not finding that guy uh i mean his helmet coming off was his initial problem but it probably rattled him he's the least experienced least least skilled guy on the jump he loses everybody else he doesn't know his altitude perhaps if he didn't have a visual but he was counting on those audibles and he and he freaks out and dumps high the camera flyer is focused on the group and doesn't look to see that canopy coming at him until the last possible second break anything in that chain we don't let the guy get away we dive down to him because he's low and now we are all on level and we know where everyone is and that doesn't happen um, well, ha have you ever lost so your goggles at, in free fall? It's, uh, right. it's very disorienting. So I have, I have, and you can't see. So he had a full face on, so he didn't have goggles. So that wind is blasting his eyes. He probably can't check his altitude, and he would probably panic yeah. and he dumped. You know, instead of tracking out of the way or whatever. I mean, it just... here. So David has a comment here. Did you guys see it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he couldn't see his altitude, and he pulled when he thought it was at full yeah. height. That's what I'm saying. He couldn't see. It all went wrong when they put the booties over their shoes. It was the booties. <laughs> as soon as they put the booties on, dog, it started going bad from that point see, on. See, instead of a kind of Tex hat, you should have like a dude stirring the pot. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A skydive mex. That's mex. Mex, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, Benji. Benji made that hat. I'm sorry. Well... All right. Oh my God! Let's watch talking. it again. You've Let's done, watch it you've again. You've done it again. You've, you've Let's watch it again. A perfectly Chris. good hour listening to Chris, <laughs> Jay, Russ, and Wise. You can't get that hour right. back. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's time to wrap it up, you guys. All right. Hey, th okay. Thank you so much. That that was really fun. Um, he said, "I wear booties." David said, "I wear yeah, booties." <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're gonna kick Wise yeah, out if he keeps being that shit's dangerous. 
straighten your legs, you don't need booties, bro. I've been uh, saying it for years. Dude, this guy. <laughs> All just, right. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, guys. Well, that, that was fun. I really appreciate it. I, I do want to, I want to maybe try to have a, a, a puzzler, like a, rit, a riddle or something to leave with everybody every time. I don't have one this week, but I'll, I'll try to come up with one for next, next time we film, next episode. And like we said, um, you know, maybe we'll have people in the future, what we'd like to do for people who are watching this online, maybe, maybe somebody actually watches this other than just David and we're thankful for David <laughs> maybe he'll be the only one that ever watches it but uh, I think it'd be awesome if at some point you know we have viewers actually upload audience members they can send us a video and we can give live feedback on their video just like we did the Friday Freak Out we pull up their video we watch through it we talk to them you know give them some, some live feedback and coaching instruction I just want to share a quick story yeah go for it uh from a few years ago, before, as we think about people uploading their videos, hopefully he'll listen to this at some point. Uh, we had a weather hold at Scott of Chicago. We're gonna. Re oh um, no! Come on, this is got. Please keep going. Got a little confused about the card that uh, contained our team video, and uh, puts it in and presses play and turns around, and starts futzing with something, and the next thing we have his. Uh, wife bent over and he is starfished behind her uh, for a good 20 seconds of us just uh, as he's trying to stop the video and panicking so hopefully somebody's going to preview those videos before you just let somebody put something up on air uh, oh my god dude. Uh, team skydiving man skydiving yeah, it's man. amazing and on that, on that note we're done yeah. thank you guys hey,